Hi everyone, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo, I'm the author of the film review website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. I've been doing film reviews since 1996 and you can read them all there at Quipster.net. That's Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be kicking off a series of films. It's normally a three-part series of films and I may actually expand this to four parts depending on how I feel about how it's going throughout this little bit of a trilogy. Specifically, I'm going to be talking about films that are based on toys, specifically Hasbro toys that came out in the 80s that were co-produced with Marvel Productions. Yes, Marvel, the comic books group who are now associated with Disney and Disney films, but they actually had produced some films back in the 1980s that all happened to be films based on Hasbro toys. So there are four of them. So we're going to start off with the first one that they did called The Transformers, the movie. It's an animated feature. It does have a lot of sci-fi elements to it. It's a PG-rated film because of violence and some language. The runtime is an hour and 24 minutes. The voice cast includes Peter Cullen, Frank Welker, and some stars that you may have heard of, Leonard Nimoy is in this film. Judd Nelson, of course, from the Brat Pack. The Breakfast Club was one of the most well-known roles, of course, from Judd Nelson. Orson Welles, the great genius filmmaker Orson Welles, who would pretty much do most anything, I think, during the 1980s. Eric Idle, of course, of Monty Python fame. Scatman Crothers, who was a star in his own right, a character actor that also appeared on the TV series as a voice actor. Casey Kasem in a small vocal role, as well as Robert Stack. You have Lionel Sanders, Susan Blue, John Moshita, the fast-talking John Moshita, who also coincidentally did the commercials for Micro Machines, another toy product in the 1980s. Nelson Shin is the director, and Ron Friedman provides the screenplay. Before I begin, I just want to give everyone the universal greeting, as you would find in the Transformers, the movie. Ba-weep, gra-na-weep, ban So greetings to everybody out there. The Transformers, the movie, it has the word the before the Transformers in some forms. Some of the subsequent video releases have dropped the first the. It's a theatrically released film that was released after the first two seasons had been completed. In fact, they hadn't actually gotten to the second season at the time they started making the Transformers, the movie, which is why some characters that were introduced during the second season do not appear in this film. But it's supposed to bridge the gap between the second and third seasons of the popular animated TV series that ran during the mid-1980s. It's, of course, based on the Hasbro toy line, a very popular toy line that had everyday objects such as trucks and guns and whatnot that could transform into the shape of some sort of robot with a few twists and turns of someone's fingers. 
The TV series, as well as this movie, showcases more of this civil war that occurs between the goodly Autobots and their evil nemeses called the Decepticons. The film is kind of unique because it's set 20 years in the future from the setting of the TV show, which is in the modern day on Earth. This one's set in the year, the presumptive year, 2005, 20 years after the events of the first two seasons of the cartoon. Here we see robotic life forms who have to deal with the legitimacy of continuing their enmity when they're faced with the coming of a hulking planet-devouring orb called Unicron, who's voiced by Orson Welles. Unicron's threatening the continued existence of the Transformers' homeworld, called Cybertron. The battle ends up raging on beyond Cybertron to one of the Autobot havens on Earth called Autobot City. There's a lot more to it than that. This is a film that has kind of a convoluted storyline and a lot of backstory I could go into, but for the purposes of this review, I'll kind of refrain from that unless I have to. This is a film that's removed because of that PG rating from the more kid-friendly confines of television. The makers of the Transformers, the movie, take the effort to go a little bit darker than the TV show. There are more violent repercussions. There are prolonged action sequences because you have a little bit more time to explore those. And there are a couple of words here that they couldn't quite say on TV. Those words, by the way, were deliberately put into this film so that they could get a PG rating because back then, G-rated films could only play during certain times of the day. So they felt that they could get more screenings as a PG-rated film. There are even some on-screen deaths of some of the characters in this film. Now, that might seem very edgy for some people out there that they're going to kill off some of the characters from the TV series, but the real explanation for that was this is the result of a toy-making company, Hasbro, discontinuing certain elements of the toy line. They wanted to get rid of those, and they wanted to introduce new characters, new toys for everybody to buy, so... It seems very bold from a storytelling standpoint, but the reality is it's a little bit more mundane. Included in that is a battle between the Autobot leader called Optimus Prime and the Decepticon mastermind known as Megatron. It feels like it carries some very dire, very permanent consequences in that battle, which probably shocked quite a few kids at the time who were unaccustomed to witnessing deaths of beloved cartoon characters. But as a result, the film does feel quite gutsy for those who are deeply into the Transformers mythos as depicted on the cartoon and in comic book form. Marvel did comic books concurrent with the TV series and actually ran in print form and actually ran quite a long time. They co-produced a film along with Sunbow Entertainment, which is the animated production company that produced all of these films that I was talking about. We also have the emergence here of a character called Galvatron. He's this new character who's formed out of an old one. Voiced by Leonard Nimoy, at least in this film, not so much in the TV series. These things add an additional layer to the film in terms of sympathy, as well as intrigue that one might suspect. The creators of the film are obviously trying to make something of a good film from within the confines of what has been produced as a feature-length commercial that's meant to sell a new product line to the fans who enjoy the cartoon. So there's a bit of a back and forth between the production of this film in which they're trying to make something substantial, but the money going into it is predominantly meant to sell more of the toy line. In addition to the deaths and the emergence of new characters like Rodimus Prime, aka Hot Rod, Ultra Magnus, Cup, Rekgar, and the Junkians, the alien Quintessens, and the aforementioned baddies Galvatron and Unicron, as well as the first female Transformer, Arky, the mythology of the series would find new depths 
with the introduction of the Matrix of Leadership here, which became kind of a big key to the storytelling within this film and on into some of the mythos that spilled over into the TV series and beyond. And there are several other story ideas that would carry on into the remaining seasons of the cartoon and into the comics. This film kind of injected more science fiction elements that fans of the Transformers would grow to relish, especially as they revisit the property as they matured. I'm sure a lot of adults today who watched the Transformers when they were kids probably realize that there is a lot more, more than meets the eye, as they say, than what they remembered. The film also breaks some ground by pushing the action into space beyond Earth. You know, the first couple of seasons of the TV show were a little bit more Earth-bound. That's where a lot of the action predominantly resided. So this one really takes it out into outer space, and it features some vivid and very detailed work from the Japanese animation company Toy Animation, who had more time than customary to devote to the aesthetic appeal of the animation. They made the anime-style visuals much more eye-popping and fluid than when they are churning out episodes of the TV show very quickly. The film's casting and its soundtrack are the two things that probably fostered the most amount of curiosity at the time of its release and beyond. They pulled together, somewhat improbably, a lot of that vocal talent I ran off earlier includes plenty of talent that would have largely been unknown to kids that might flock to the theaters at the time. Orson Welles in here, who was ailing at the time, he subsequently died during the film's production. He would do his lines out of breath, and that forced the producers to synthesize his voice to make it sound a little bit more appropriate to Unicron's menace. Eric Idle, Leonard Nimoy, who initially hated this movie only to embrace his involvement years later, he even returned to the franchise of sorts. He provided the voice in the Michael Bay series as the character Sentinel Prime in the third Transformers movie called Dark of the Moon. Robert Stack is in here, kind of a TV star in the 1980s of the time, of course, a veteran actor. The soundtrack also merits looking at. It plays in between Vince DiCola's synth-heavy score. It's improbably chock-full of heavy metal, hair metal contributions from the 1980s. It's kind of appropriate, though. The characters are made out of the very material that would have action set to so-called heavy metal music. They are heavy metal characters, with the oddest inclusion among these songs coming in the form of Weird Al Yankovic. He has a song in this film called Dare to be Stupid, which ended up being the name of his album that year. It's done in the style of Devo. It's kind of incongruous to the rest of the action, but within the course of the film, it kind of makes sense. There's one track from this film that merits mentioning. It's called The Touch by Stan Bush. It's a song that kind of became synonymous with this film. It was originally slated, though, to be on the soundtrack to a different film, a Sylvester Stallone movie called Cobra that came out around the same time. However, the touch from Stan Bush would gain some notoriety many years later for its significant inclusion within the film Boogie Nights, coincidentally sung in the film by Mark Wahlberg as Dirk Diggler. Mark Wahlberg, keeping the tie-ins together, would go on to become the star of a couple of Michael Bay Transformers films sometime later. Transformers the movie was a critical misfire upon its release. It was dismissed very cynically as merely a means in which to hawk more of these toys for Hasbro. A significant number of fans, though, have long since championed it as a legitimately good and compelling film, and it's kind of grown into a cult classic among Transformers aficionados. Those who were enraptured by the 1980s cartoon nostalgia of their youth 
tend to love this film. Now, it's highly unlikely that this appeal is going to translate into becoming a legitimate classic of the era because not everybody's into Transformers, so this is kind of a film that's not very easy to jump into without some sort of prior knowledge of the Transformers as a property and without having to suspend some disbelief in general that the story itself and the backstory that leads up to it doesn't really make a lick of sense if you view this with any kind of legitimate scrutiny, especially as it shoehorns in secondary characters into this film. Dinobots appear in this film, a lot of other kind of crazy, zany uh, subsets of characters. So it's kind of a weird movie if you don't know what the Transformers are. In fact, some people might find it unwatchable without that pre-knowledge. Unfortunately, despite all of their best efforts, it was a failure at the box office as well. It only made five point eight million on an estimated budget of six million it landed in 14th place on its initial weekend it never really recovered from there at the box office as the michael bay directed and produced series of transformers films rolls on even today and they arguably get worse in terms of quality and it's kind of ironic that michael bay the makers of this film during a 2007 interview after the release of his first Transformers film said, look at the 1986 release, you'll want to shoot yourself, basically saying that his Transformers films are way better. I beg to disagree. Michael Bay's films, as far as I'm concerned, are far worse. As far as the 1986 release, by comparison to the Michael Bay films, it seems more substantial of a movie by comparison for Transformers fans because of the backstory and the mythos and what it introduced into the series. If you've ever been a fan of the Transformers cartoon or the comic books from the 1980s, there's a pretty good chance you're going to relish watching the Transformers the movies. If you haven't seen it already, I can't imagine somebody claiming to be a true Transformers fan without actually having seen this film. And it merits even watching if you watched it as a kid, if only to reminisce on those properties that you once held as entertaining in your formative years. There's a lot of nostalgia in catching this if you saw this at the time. Those who've never been initiated will, at best, enjoy it as kind of an enjoyably weird oddity. At worst, some people are going to undoubtedly find it impenetrably indigestible nonsense. And I say this because I happened to start watching this with my wife and daughter who bailed on this movie after 15 minutes. They really couldn't get into this movie the way that uh, I, I seem to be enjoying it a lot more than they were. But they really had no exposure to this property, so I don't necessarily blame them for starting to get confused and not really into it. Because the makers of this film provide very little exposition to give any rationale for where the story goes to those who are uninitiated. However, I will say beyond that, even for those who are in the know, there's a lot of new material here there's a lot of new concepts to have to keep up with it's a very challenging movie even for people who watched the first two seasons of the tv show and i think that makes it a very unique and interesting film the transformers the movie is as i mentioned going to live up to the toy lines most famous of models by being more than meets the eye so this is a film that will really run the gamut in terms of people's reactions to it. If you have no exposure, like I said, to the Transformers films, you might give it as low as one star. If you love the Transformers through and through and you've been there since the beginning and you continue to watch them today and still enjoy them, this is probably the crowning achievement in their overall franchise. This is considered the one that really broke the mold and made it something special. So you might even give it up to four stars if you're a huge fan. But 
I'm kind of somewhere in between all of that. I'm somebody who is kind of a casual observer of the Transformers. I hated the Michael Bay movies, but I'm familiar enough to be able to understand what's going on. I knew about Optimus Prime and Megatron and Cybertron and all of these other things as somebody who, you know, lived in the 1980s. You ended up getting exposed to it. I had a brother that was five, six, seven years old at the time. So babysitting him, I would get some exposure to this. So I'm in between. I wouldn't consider myself a Transformers fan, and so therefore I have to give a little bit of a caveat here, but I'm still somebody who would recommend this film for doing something that was kind of bold and different and new and unique. There are really very few cartoons that I can think of that have this kind of weird and interesting quality to it. So I'm going to give the Transformers, the movie, from 1986, three stars out of four. Three stars on my scale means that I do recommend it for those people who are into this kind of movie. If you're into this kind of movie, I do think that you'll find it worthwhile. If, if this is not your bag, you're probably not missing much by not catching it. I don't think this is a film that really extends its reach far beyond those people who enjoyed this property, especially when they watched it as kids. So three stars out of four is what I'm giving the Transformers the movie. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you have your own thoughts on the Transformers the movie, I invite you to write to me. You can find my contact information on my website, quipster.net. I also invite you to check out my other film podcast called the Quipster Film Review Podcast. At the time of this recording, I just released my review of Deadpool 2, speaking of Marvel properties, in film form. And you can find that by doing a search wherever you're listening to this right now for the Quipster Film Review Podcast. Quipster is spelled with a W, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R dot net. As far as what I'm going to be covering next week, we're going to cover another film based on a Hasbro toy that was co-produced with Marvel Productions as well as Sunbow for the animation. It is called My Little Pony, the movie. came out the same year as the Transformers, the movie, and it was also theatrically released. And this one, I am sure my daughter Lily is going to really want to watch since she's a big fan of the current day My Little Pony animated series. And that will be coming up next week. My Little Pony, the movie. For those of you who will like to watch the films before I get to the reviews, until next time, thanks everyone for joining me on this journey around the world in 80s movies. Oh, 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 o